Is this on? Oh, there we go. Good, good. Well, it's good to be with you here this morning. It's good to, now it's really loud. It's good to gather and worship and be together. Always encouraging to see our kids and what they're going to be doing for the next half an hour and just growing and being shaped in faith. Um, Pastor Doug is away this morning. He's out preaching at Abbey, one of our other sites. And so you're stuck with me this morning. So I will continue our series on the book of Colossians. Uh, Before we do that, I just want to highlight what is happening next week. Uh, Every Sunday is a good Sunday to come to church, but next week I really want to encourage you to be here. It's going to be, well, Colossians, I'm going to start with a story here. Almost nine years ago, almost to the day actually, uh, my family went on a holiday to the Mexican Riviera. It It was a wedding of one of our really close cousins. And so we all flew over there and stayed in a resort, and it was, you know, a fantastic place for somebody to get married and to celebrate a wedding. Uh, If you know the Riviera, it is the south of Mexico on the east end, and near the Riviera, there is this huge forest system called the Yucatan Forest. And I'm going to throw up a picture there. This is a forest that is, it's large, it's lush, it's green, it's very fruitful, it's a beautiful place, and yet the climate is very dry and desert-like. It's very arid. And as soon as you get there and you see this forest, you wonder, how in the world did it get to be so green and so beautiful and so lush here when it's so hot and so dry? What in the world sustains this forest? We'll go to the next slide here. In fact, this area was actually Uh, inhabited by a huge civilization, the Mayan civilization. And throughout the forest is scattered these amazing uh, relics of of once was an amazing civilization. And so there was a huge draw to this beautiful place. And yet, it's hot and it's dry and it's arid. What's the draw? Why are people hanging out in here? How did it get to be so beautiful? Well, if any of you have been there, you know what the answer is. The answer is the cenotes. So underneath the forest floor, underneath the actual ground, there's this huge water system, fresh water system that is flowing underneath, uh, underneath the forest ground. And it's fresh water that is eventually uh, making its way into the ocean. And it's an amazing thing. And there's, there's rivers and canyons and caves, and the water's just kind of slowly flowing its way through. And that's where the forest is sucking up its energy to do what it does for it to be so beautiful. Uh, The cenotes is the only source of the region's fresh water, but so far, and it hasn't all been discovered yet, so far there's 350 miles of it. So it is a huge, extensive network of of water, of fresh water weaving underground through canals and caves. And so one one afternoon, Mike and I had some free time, and so we decided to do a little bit of a touristy thing, which is not something I am drawn to doing, but when you're there, you got to see this. And so we did a snorkeling tour of this place. And so we hopped in a Jeep and we drove through the Yucatan forest and we're driving in the bush and then we stopped and there was like this hole in the ground. If you actually go back a slide, uh, you'll see what it would have looked like. So there's a hole in the ground and then there's this beautiful fresh water just below it. You put on your snorkel gear and you jump in there and you realize that it's more than just a fresh pool of water. You get in there and there's like this extensive cave and canal system. And this is like the entrance to this beautiful underground world that is supporting the life of the cenote forest. So we spent a couple hours uh, weaving our way through the rivers and the canals and the caves. Uh, and as you're doing that, you, there's, there's this huge root system. So those things there that are coming down from the ground, those are actually roots from the tree. 
from the trees. And this is how the trees get their life and how they get to be so green and beautiful. They have, the roots have broken through the crust of the earth and they've gone down and they've tapped into this uh, fresh water system. So as Mike and I are, and our little t- uh, tourist team are, are swimming around, we're going in and out and, and around these root systems, these huge um, wooden structures that are in there. It's, it, it's kind of surreal. They could film a movie down there. It's, it's a spectacular scene. Um, I think maybe a couple more pictures there. So there's a tree. You can see this tree. It's up on the ground, and it has found its way down this cave to suck up the nutrients from the water. I believe there is one more there, just to kind of give you a picture. Again, just this beautiful root system of what's happening. I want you to keep this image fresh in your mind, this image of these root systems sucking water out of the cenotes. Keep this image fresh in your mind as we study a small section in the book of Colossians here. Uh, We spent the the past few weeks studying Colossians, and we're going to keep going for a couple weeks yet. Pastor Doug last week ended off reading chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, and I want to camp there this morning. I want to just focus in on two verses and, and try to wrap our heads around what Paul is trying to say. So if you've been around or if you've listened to Doug or you're familiar with Colossians, you know that Paul, so up to this point, has really laid down the foundation for the church. He has said, this is who Christ is. He is, he is the cornerstone and the foundation of your faith. And he's emphasizing over and over again that Jesus is all we need. He is the one that we put our faith in. He is the foundation. Jesus is the exact representation of God. He is supreme. He is preeminent. He is the head of the church and he is all sufficient. So Paul has been speaking about this up until this point. And then in light of what Paul has said to the church, he then goes on to describe the types of people that we are to be. And he uses this imagery of a rooted tree. And so, let's read the passage here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. It's a great passage. It's a passage that speaks about who we are. It's a passage that speaks about who we are to become. It speaks about where we are grounded and where we find our life, and, it's, and it speaks about what direction we are supposed to be growing with our life. And maybe above all, this passage gives us a great metaphor for spiritual formation and what it looks like to grow towards Christian maturity. So Paul starts and he says, Receiving Christ as Lord is the beginning. This is the foundation of your faith. When you have received Christ as Lord, you have, you have established your root systems. This is, this is the rock-solid base upon which you build your life and your faith. But then from the starting point, Paul says, we need to continue to follow Jesus. This word following Jesus in other translations, um, they, they choose to use the word walk with Christ or live with Christ. However you want to say it, growing in Christ requires an ongoing active following after him with your life. This is what Paul says. This is what will help you grow in your faith, is when you're following Christ, you're walking with Christ, you're living your life in Christ. And then Paul uses this tree imagery to speak about our spiritual lives. He tells us that as our lives are rooted in Christ, we will grow and we will mature. We all know that a tree is only as strong as its roots. The larger and more fully developed a tree appears on the surface, the the larger and more extensive its root system is below the surface. As a tree continues to grow upward, it draw, it's drawing nourishment from below. 
And we all know that a tree is only fruitful because of its ability to draw out water from its root systems. That's the strength. That's the foundation. That's the base of, of the health of a tree. Paul says to us that if we want a faith that is strong, a faith that is mature, our roots need to be deep. And they need to be uh, very established in Christ. So throughout the letters, as you read the letters uh, that Paul writes to the churches, there's a reoccurring theme that happens over and over again. You see it in, in all of his letters. He speaks about maturity in Christ. Maturity in Christ is what Paul is really striving for. This is his goal for the people, for believers, is maturity in Christ. We see this in, earlier in Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, 28. That's what he says. He, speaking about Jesus, he is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is Paul's goal for his people. This is his goal for the church, is that they would be mature Christians. That's his goal. I think sometimes we can get caught up with the idea that conversion is the goal. But Paul would say that conversion is really only the beginning. It's the starting place. That walking with Christ is the ongoing daily journey. And that the end result is Christian maturity. I get the opportunity to work with a bunch of Indian pastors and I get to go down there and travel. And one of the things that I've noticed is that there really is a focus on conversions down there. They want people to accept Christ, be saved, and be baptized. And this is a very good thing. Uh, and we're seeing incredible things down there. But I think one of the things that some of our Indian partners are lacking is a passion for growing these believers in discipleship, in maturity. And what they tell me is, more, is quite often the church is so focused on getting people saved and once they're saved, they kind of forget about them. And I think Paul would say to them, look, receiving Christ is the beginning. This is, this is the foundation, but the goal is to grow up into Christ and to become mature and to become a, a true disciple of him. Just as you've received Christ, live your life in him, walk with him, let your roots grow down deep so that you will grow up into him and then you'll be established and you'll be overflowing with thankfulness. That's what this passage is telling us. There's other passages in the scripture that speak to this rootedness. Um, and I think, I'm going to read a few of them, and I think it's going to help us understand a little further what Paul's trying to say. And there's no doubt that Paul was making reference to some of these passages as well. So the first one is Psalm chapter 1. First Psalm of the Scriptures, of the Psalms. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. So in this psalm, David makes very, a very clear distinction between two types of growth. The first one is this prospering, fruitful tree that is well planted and it's producing well. It's a, it's a life that is grounded in the Lord. And, the, and he contrasts that with the second picture, and it's a picture of chaff. And I, I think there is a picture up there of the two. Chaff is this. It is a dry, scaly, protective casing of the seeds. And so kind of of wheat or um, growth, sort of like that. It's rootless, it's weightless, it's easily blown away. There's no substance to it. There's nothing that keeps it grounded. The psalmist is asking us, where is your life grounded? What is your foundation? 
David's challenging us to think about which picture represents your life. Is it the chaff? Or is it this deeply rooted tree planted by streams of water that is fruitful and solid and rooted? Which one represents us? This is the imagery that Paul is picking up on in Colossians. And he inspires us to be like this prospering tree that is fruitful and deeply rooted. There's another passage in the Old Testament that uses this rooted imagery. Uh, It's in Jeremiah chapter 17. I want to read this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield its fruit. As I read this, I cannot help but picture those trees that I saw swimming through the cenotes. Trees that are so deeply rooted that they could withstand any drought, any dryness that Mexico could throw at it. It's a beautiful picture. Jeremiah tells us that we are blessed when we trust in the Lord and we will become like those trees. Now, there's something really important here that I want to pick out of this passage. There's absolutely no promise of an easy or prosperous life here. Jeremiah is really honest about about life. He's really honest that it's not always easy and that droughts will come. We can expect that droughts will come in our life. What matters, though, is where's your roots? Where are you grounded? I want to tell you about my friend, Tracy, and I've got her permission to, to talk about this. Very good friend out in the Kootenays. Um, they were, they've, they've got two great kids, and they had this dream of adopting overseas, and so they spent two years uh, raising money, raising funds, going through the process, um, and they finally got picked. Somebody picked them, and they were going to be able to adopt a kid. They were so excited. Their dream was coming true, and then a week later, she was diagnosed with uh, third-stage breast cancer. And so she had to give up this child. She had to give up this dream of adoption and had to go through this journey. And it was pretty serious. It had spread into her lymph nodes. And she was, this last year, she has been taking this journey of, of healing and chemo and trying to get rid of the cancer. All throughout this journey, she's been blogging. She said she wants her life to be a testimony to other people. And she's a really great writer. And she's been very honest. She's not painted her picture with rose-colored glasses. She's been really honest about how hard and difficult it's been, how frustrating it's been, some of the questions she's had for God, and yet in the midst of it, you see a faith that is so deeply rooted in Christ. And I want to read a section of her blog for you as an example of somebody whose roots grow down very deep. This is what she says. If I am blessed to live another 30 years, I want my life to be marked by that beauty, not by the suffering that it bore. Does that make sense? Out of some of the deepest, darkest ashes come the most radiant flowers. This, this is what I want. Only by allowing myself to be burned, to be turned into a place of true renewal, will I be able to live like that, to give glory to God. So how do I do this? How do I look beyond my bald head, bruised breast, and languid eyes? By leaning in. When I want to run, lean in. When I am tired and feel like throwing in the towel, lean in. When my body is broken beyond recognition, lean in. What is this leaning in? It is trusting when I can do nothing else. It is spending time in the word when I want to sleep. It is praying when I'm out of words. It is watching and waiting for the beauty to grow when all I can see is brokenness. Leaning in like never before. Needing him like never before. This morning as I contemplate what was and what is, I stop to lean in. To read, to pray, 
and trust. Friends, whatever place you, you are in life, there is always room to lean in. And beauty will come from those ashes. It's an amazing testimony of somebody who has gone through a serious drought in her life, and yet whose roots have sustained her through this. A couple weeks ago, uh, Tracy sent out an email, and she's cancer-free. She underwent a double mastectomy, and she can finally now start moving on with her life. But it was a year-long process. She had to put everything on hold, and she really tapped into the root system that she had built over those years. They were at our house on their way to Vancouver a month ago. We got to spend lots of time just being honest and praying together. And she said, I cannot imagine going through something like this without having a faith in Christ. I don't know how people do it without a rock-solid foundation in something, in someone. That's what she said. And she's a living testimony of somebody whose roots have gone down so deep that she could withstand some very difficult times because she knew where she was grounded. She had built a proper foundation. She was centered in Christ. The scriptures talk so much about this concept of God as being our support and our foundation. The scripture uses images, especially in the Psalms, of God being our fortress or our rock, our strong tower, our deliverer, our shield. In the Gospels, Jesus teaches us to build on the foundation, the foundation of our lives on rocks instead of sand so that the, when the waves do come, we're not just easily washed away. We are firmly solid, firmly built on, on solid rock. If you remember back to one of the more well-known of Jesus' parables, he talks about four seeds that are planted. The first seed lands on a path and it's quickly destroyed. It's quickly just taken up. The next seed lands in good ground, but as soon as the wind comes, it blew away. And the reason is, and I quote from Jesus' own words, it had no roots. The third one took to the ground, but then it was choked up by life's worries and it didn't do anything. And then the fourth one, as we know, was extravagantly fruitful. It stuck in the ground, it grew some roots, and it was a prosperous seed. It's the roots that keep the plant alive. It's the roots that keep us strong in the midst of whatever life may throw at us. So why Christian philosopher and mystic Simone Weil says this. I think we got it up here. To be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. But as Christians, we find our rootedness in Christ. And we can dig down deep and find our foundation and build the foundation of our lives on Christ and find our rootedness there. We all know that the pressures of life can be significant. We all know that storms will eventually come if you're not in the midst of one already. So the question for us isn't, how do I stop the storms from coming? The real question is, what footing is my life built on? Where do I find myself rooted? Where do I find my foundation? Paul would answer the question, by speaking about our rootedness in Christ. He says in this passage that Christ is the foundation upon which we build our life. And we draw our nourishment up from him. And we grow up into him by walking closely with him and following Christ daily. I want to tell you another story of a friend who a while back was really struggling in his marriage. He's got young kids and just had a hard time with his kids. He was struggling with patience and with love and he was short-tempered. And it was getting pretty bad in their home. And his wife said, I think I might have to leave you. So this was a huge wake-up call for him. He's like, oh, I, I got to do something about this. And then, he's a good man. And he, wants his, he wanted his family to work, and he recognized it in himself. And so he went and saw a Christian counselor at his church. 
and told him what was going on and told him what the things that he was struggling with. And after listening and resonating with him, the counselor said this and gave him this advice. He says, you need to root your life in Christ more. You need to go home and read your Bible, you pray, experience Christian fellowship. Essentially, he said, you need to pursue God and grow in your faith. And you might be wondering, what does that advice have to do with marriage or parenting? I mean, that sounds like such a Christianese cliche answer that doesn't actually help anybody in the reality. Well, I'm good friends with this guy, and I watched him, and I watched the journey. He took this advice seriously. He started taking God more seriously in his life and pursuing him through practices like prayer and scripture and hanging out with Christian friends and just drilling deep and getting his roots stronger. You know what happened over time? He started becoming more kind and more loving and more compassionate. He started getting along with his wife, and he started uh, really appreciating his kids. Why? because he became more rooted. And I think the counselor was really wise. Instead of, instead of dealing with the fruit of the issue, with it, which was his anger or his lack of love or whatever it was, instead of dealing with the fruit, he says, you need to drill down deep and deal with the real issues, which is the roots. Where are you building your life? Where are you finding your source of strength? Where, are you, where do you find yourself rooted? Where is your foundation? As he went deeper and deeper in his faith, pressing into God, walking more closely with him, the fruits of Christ just naturally started to pop up in his life. He started becoming to look, started looking more like Jesus. And I've seen this process in him. And I've heard this story, a similar story like this, over and over again, and I've witnessed it over and over again. I've witnessed it in my own life. That when I start seeing things in myself that I don't like, I often just need to drill down deeper and pursue Christ. And the more, I, the more connected I feel to him and the deeper my roots get, all of a sudden I just start looking more like Jesus. I think that's what Paul's talking about here is as our roots grow deeper, the tree grows and becomes more and more healthy. So Paul says to the church in Coloss and to us this morning, be rooted in Christ so that you will grow up in him. Follow him closely and grow in Christian maturity. Be well-established, deeply grounded, and closely connected to God through Christ, and overflow with thankfulness. And so today, I want to leave you with this image of this deeply rooted tree in the middle of the Yucatan forest that's tapped into this freshwater system in the snow taste. And I want to encourage you to let that be a picture of your own life, of how deeply rooted those trees are, that you would be deeply rooted in Christ, that you would let your roots grow down deep, that you would grow up into him and grow in Christian maturity and let the fruits of Christ just naturally come out of you as you pursue him and follow him and walk with him. May that be a picture for us all this morning. I want to end by, by reading Ephesians and reading this as a prayer. And this was a prayer for uh, the church in Ephesus that Paul prayed for them. And a prayer that uh, I would pray for us this morning. So what Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge." that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. May that be true for us as individuals and as a church. Amen.